chapter 91, the Bible says this. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide over the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes thou shalt, uh, shalt thou behold and uh, see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder and young lion, and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for the, uh, your word. We ask you blessings to be upon the reading thereof. And God, give us understanding in it here tonight. Lord, I pray that you uh, bless us and help us. And God, guide us in your truth. And uh, help us, Lord, just to forsake anything else. And we'll thank you for that. Help us, God, here tonight. Lord, we need it. Um, God, I need you. Lord, this people needs you. And God, this world needs you. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, you show yourself present, show yourself mighty uh, through your word, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, tonight, uh, we're going to explore a question that was uh, brought up in Sunday school. And uh, that question is simply this, did God send the coronavirus? Did God send it? Did God send it? I want to I kind of explore the thought of that here uh, tonight. And uh, I wanted to read Psalm 91, not so much uh, because I have Scripture after Scripture I'm going to give to you tonight. We're going to be flipping through. I don't know if tonight's going to be more Bible study or preaching, but it's certainly going to be beneficial, I believe, if you let it. Uh, but I wanted to read Psalm 91 because Psalm 91 is essentially kind of my uh, thoughts on how uh, we as Christians ought to kind of... Uh, the attitude which we should portray in this situation. So just some of the things that we can glean from Psalm 91, I encourage you to go back and just study on it, meditate upon it. Um, of course, Satan, uh, Satan quoted part of this when speaking to the Lord, tempting the Lord in the wilderness. Um, but that does not mean that this, is, uh, this psalm is wholly exclusive unto Jesus himself. Some of the things you can glean from Psalm 91, number one, there, God is, uh, is refuge, amen? In God there is refuge. Verse number two, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. 
and uh, their surety in his shelter. Verse number four, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Uh, there's no need to fear, verse number 5, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror that uh, by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall by thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Uh, and uh, no evil shall befall, and because, verse number 10, there shall no evil befall thee. But go back and look at n- verse number 9. Because... Thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even though the Most High, thy habitation. So you see the cause there, and then you see the result there in verse number 10. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. So anyway, I encourage you to go back and study Psalms 91, a wonderful chapter to just look on and meditate upon and uh, gain that attitude of the psalmist. Uh, especially in this time. And so today, or tonight rather, we're going to explore, like I said, that question that was posed in Sunday school, and that is, did God send the coronavirus? Is this His handiwork? Did He, did he purposefully cast this virus upon the world, upon America, upon His children, upon um, His creation? Did He do that? Did He do that? And uh, so, for that answer, you know where we're going to look? The Bible. (laughs) You know why we're going to look at the Bible? Because the Bible has answers. Amen? Everybody has opinions. Everybody has opinions. But, but man, I, I, I know this, that what is written in Scripture is not opinion, it is fact. And it's not something that we need to worry about or concern ourselves, is it true or is it not? It's absolutely true. It is absolutely perfect. And so, therefore, we're going to look, uh, we're just going to explore that, that question. I, I didn't say I was going to give you an answer. did not say I was going to give you an answer for it. We're going to explore the question of, did God send this coronavirus in light of uh, Scripture? So, number one, we've got to look at God's ability. Could God cause disease and death? Could He cause it? He could, right? Is everybody in agreement here and there? God absolutely could do this. God could cause um, this virus. He could cause this virus. Certainly, He could cause uh, much worse. And now, if you agree, though, that God could send this disease, I would imagine that you would uh, be in agreement that God could prevent this disease as well, or God could cure it. Could He not? I mean, if God could send it, surely God could cure it. Are we all in agreement there? Say amen. And listen, if God can send it and God can cure it, let me ask you this. Could God prevent it from coming to you? Could he? We're all in agreement there too? Wow, amen. All right, (laughs) this is good. So God can send it. God can cure it. Why? Because God is able. Now, I just, I like what, uh, I like what Paul said in Acts chapter 17 when Paul is preaching unto uh, those... uh, Men in Athens there, he said this, he said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. In other words, you know what? God knew exactly when Scott McGraw was going to be born and when Scott McGraw is going to leave this earth. He knows that. 
He knew that long before uh, anyone even knew my daddy, much less that I would come in the flesh through him. He knew that. He knew the bounds of my habitation. The scriptures also tell us in Hebrews 9, 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die. And you've heard me say this. God has set an appointment for my death. Do you believe that? God is able. God is understanding. God knows these things. And so, uh, you know, when we look at what's going on in the world and we look at what Scripture has to say, we look at what Psalms 91 has to say, I just want to say this. I give literally no thought to whether Corona is going to take my life or not. I literally give no thought to whether I'm going to get sick by it. I literally have not given much thought at all to whether my family is going to be affected by this. Now, you may say that's wrong or foolish. I, whatever. I just, I just haven't thought much about it. Why? Because I'm simply going to trust in God for it. That's where I'm going to put my trust. And so, um, this God that we're talking about, the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who speaks everything into his existence. Listen, he's big enough, to, he's big enough certainly to send it. He's certainly big enough to cure it. And he's certainly big enough to either give it to me for a purpose or, or, or not. He's able, right? He is able. We need to understand that. Let me ask you this. Would God be unjust in bringing this disease? By, by God bringing, if he did, if God brought the coronavirus to earth, would he be unjust for doing so? Would that make him an unjust God? No. Why would that make him unjust in any way? Could there not be reasons for God to have done this? Exodus 15, 11 says this. This is Moses' song after God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. He said, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Psalms 99 and 9 says this. It says, Exalt the Lord our God in worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. And so if God is holy, and everything about him is holy then how could he do something that is unholy? Let's go further. We see in Deuteronomy 32 and 4, it says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. I believe God is just, amen? Do you all believe that? God is a just God. Could a just God do anything unjust? Could a just God bring an unjust plague upon this earth? Could he? Absolutely not. Also, moving on, Psalms 97 and 2. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. He's a righteous God, is he not? Do you believe that? Say Amen. Now, if God is righteous, how can he do anything that is unrighteous? If he is just, how can he do anything that is unjust? We're talking about, we've already established the fact that God is able to do this. He's able to send it. If he so chose, man, he could send it. If he so chose, listen, he is powerful enough, he is God enough to where he could say, Scott McGraw, die, I'd fall down dead. Do we agree with that? He's able 
And so we know that he's, according to his word, and that's all I have to go on. And listen, it's never failed me in the past, so I'm just going to go ahead and depend on it. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. So therefore, if he did it, which he possibly could have, certainly there had to be a reason for it. Right? There had to be a reason for it. So did he send it? Did he send it? We know he's able. Now let's look back through scriptures for a few moments. That is history. What can we glean in light of what is going on today? What can we glean in, what, in light of what happened in times gone by? We know throughout scripture there are various instances where God intentionally brought plagues upon men. And not only just upon the inhabitants of the earth, but God intentionally brought plagues upon His own people. Time and time and time again, I, I've got a short list here, but I'm going to go through it for just a moment. Number one, God had given the children of Israel a warning. Deuteronomy 28, and He warned them that there was a recompense coming for disobedience and for forsaking him. He said that, and he specifically stated, and we'll read it in a little bit, specifically stated plagues in there, that those would be brought to bear upon them if they were to disobey him, his law, and forsake him. Numbers chapter 11, we, we read some of that in Sunday school today. God sent a plague upon the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 11. Uh, God sent another plague and slew 24,000 of the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 25. God sent boils unto the Egyptians and pestilence unto their cattle in Exodus chapter 20, uh, excuse me, Exodus chapter 9. God smote the Philistines in Ashdod with uh, emeralds in 1 Samuel chapter 5. God made Miriam a leper. In Numbers chapter 12, as we read again in Sunday school, God sent plagues upon Pharaoh's house in Genesis chapter 12. And so, this is like I said, this is a short list, one, two, three, four, five, six, I think seven things that I have here. There are more, there are more instances throughout Scripture. But we know that throughout history, throughout our history book, and I'll tell you this, you could go up if the schools were open, amen. You could go up to uh, St. Mary's High School and you could find history books written in there. And uh, what you find could be uh, true, could be true from a certain perspective, could be false, right? I don't know. I haven't read them and I, I don't, you know, much care to take the time to. But what I do know is this. This book right here has a lot of history in it. And in this book right here, it is absolute truth. And so therefore, I don't have to wonder if it's written simply from a certain person's perspective. It is written, penned by men, but ordained by God Almighty. And so in his history book, in the one perfect and true history book, we see time and 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 time again, God would send a plague a pestilence upon uh, men and mankind and his children, uh, just various instances throughout there. So we know that there's history for it. Did God send this? Did God send the coronavirus? 
what I can tell you is that he's able to. What I can tell you is there's a history of God doing such a thing. But I want to look a little deeper into that history. Uh, and I want to look at the possibility of it. I've given you, I think, like I said, seven uh, instances throughout Scripture where God had sent plagues and pestilence upon the children of men and the children of God throughout the Bible. I want to delve into those. And like I said, we're going to be reading some Scripture uh, tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. And as you do that, let me ask you this question. We know God is able. We know there's a history of it. Would God have a reason to do it? And that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the gist of what we're going here, uh, for here tonight. Would God have some reason... It would have to be a just reason and have to be a righteous reason. It would have to be a holy reason. Why? He would send a plague upon the earth. It would have to be just. It would have to be holy. It would have to be righteous because he is just, holy, and righteous. Would he have a reason to send it? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 28. We see this, verse number 15. Let's read a few verses here. It says, But it shall come to pass... If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Cursed shall thou be thy curse shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land. The increase of thy kind and thy flocks and thy sheep. Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that the, uh, thou settest uh, thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly. Because of the wickedness of thy doings. Do you hear that? Because in there. Because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with a sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee out until thou perish. Going down to verse number 59. Uh, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and long continuance and sore sickness and of a long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Uh, let me ask you this. He's talking to his children, right? He's talking to his children, the children of Israel, who he had blessed, who he had done great and mighty things for. Let me ask you this. Um, if you were to categorize the way God's people are today, would you say as a whole they are obedient or disobedient? 
Would you say that God's children, I'm not talking about the world, I'm not talking about the heathen, I'm talking about God's children. Would you say that by and large they are obedient unto his commands, obedient unto his instruction, obedient unto what he has said, or has God's people largely been disobedient? I would say disobedient. That would be my guess. God's children as a whole, like I said, there's always exceptions to the rule, and I pray that you're one of them. But God's children as a whole, they have been largely disobedient, have been for some time. So could it be that God sent this virus down here as a judgment upon God's children for their disobedience? I don't know. But that's certainly what happened or what was threatened by God to his children in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God promised a recompense. He did not say it might happen. He said it will happen for disobedience and for forsaking him. Uh, Next, we had mentioned uh, in Sunday school, God sent a plague upon the children of Israel. Go ahead and turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. As we had read this morning, the children of Israel, God had brought them up out of Egypt. God had done great and mighty things for them. Gave a man in the wilderness, water from a rock, spared their firstborn uh, children. He had done all of these things for them. But here we find in Numbers chapter 11, verse number 4, and it says, uh, And the mixed multitude was among them, fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. God had supplied them in a great and mighty way, yet they were not satisfied. They were essentially spitting in the face of the goodness of God. Turn on to uh, verse number 31, and we see what happened because of that. God said, you want flesh, I'll give you flesh. If that's what you want, I'll give it to you. And so in verse number 31... It says, And there went forth a wind from the, uh, from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this, on this side, as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten omers, and they spread them abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against this people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague, and he called the name of that place Kibath Hatavah, and so on and so forth. And so we see that uh, God had brought a plague down upon the children of Israel. Why? Because he judged their sin. Because God was good to them. Amen. Listen, has God been good to you? God's been good to me. Far better than I deserve. And you think of what he did for them, that's what God did for me. He brought them out of Egypt. Thank God he brought me out of Egypt. He, is fe- he fed them with manna. Man, God has fed me with manna. Amen. 
God has given me uh, water in a miraculous way, the washing of the water by the Word. I mean, all the things that He did for them, He's done for me. But how many Christians do you know are truly satisfied with what God has done for them? How many Christians are truly just satisfied and thankful for all of the blessings that God has bestowed upon them? Or is their attitude more like the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 11? Ungrateful for what God has done for them and um, bitter at God for what He has not. Could it possibly be that God is bringing a judgment down for the sin of His people, the ungrateful Christians. I mean, you think about this. What does God, what does God ask of His children? What does God ask? He asks us to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, right? Man, God asks a lot from me. Well, let's... God has done a lot for you. <laughs> Amen. God gave His only begotten Son, hung upon a cross for you. There is nothing you will ever do that will ever compare to what He has done for you. And yet, we show our gratitude. We show our gratitude. And I'm going to put the whole coronavirus thing to the side for a minute. We show our gratitude with God. Um, when God tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and yet so many Christians do that very thing. Oh, preacher, we got this coronavirus before that. Before that. What does the Sunday night crowd look compared to the Sunday morning crowd? What does the Wednesday crowd look compared to the Sunday morning crowd. What does Sunday school look compared to it? I mean, God's children can't even show their gratitude to God and come to His house when the doors are open. Like I said, coronavirus issue to the side. I'm, I'm talking about three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. A year ago. Two years ago. Same deal. So could it be that God has brought down judgment for the ungratefulness of, I don't know. But it happened here in Numbers chapter 11. If you were to turn on over to uh, Numbers chapter 25, we're going to read a portion of Scripture there, Numbers chapter 25. God brought another plague down to the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 25. Numbers 25, verse number 1 says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. They called the people unto uh, the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord uh, said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. 
And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite uh, woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Uh, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And so God had sent this plague unto the children of Israel. Why? Because the children of Israel were yoking up with the ungodly. God had told them to be separate. God had told them to be different. He said, I've called you for a purpose. You are a holy nation unto me. Do not yoke up to them. When you go into the, uh, into the land of promise, you drive them out. And they didn't do that. And they yoked up to them. Got them eaten of the offerings from those false gods. God was upset with that. And so God brought judgment down. Twenty and four thousand died by that plague. Could it be possibly, could it be possibly that God has brought this issue to us and to our doorstep because Christians are yoking up with the ungodly and ungodly things? Let me ask you this. Can, can, I mean, you can look at half of the churches around and you can't tell if they're a church or a bar. Amen. You can't tell the difference in the lighting in which they have, the music in which they have. I mean, they're just absolutely worldly. Christians and Christianity today, man, they don't know the difference between what is of God and what is not. And so therefore they are yoked up with that. Could it possibly be that God has sent this issue down uh, unto His people, just like He did here, because the church does not know anything about being separate, just like He did back then. You think God doesn't care about separation? He sure did there. You think God doesn't care about, uh, doesn't want His people to be separate and be holy? He sure did there. 24,000 people paid the price because of it. And it wasn't stopped until a man of God went and did something that many would think would be cruel, but it was absolutely ordained of God. So, could it be? Did God send this, this virus to get the, His children to wake up from ungodliness? Stand for what is right. Could it be? I don't know. We know it's possible because he did it in Numbers uh, chapter 25. Moving on. We'll not turn there for sake of time, but uh, I had mentioned God had sent plague of boils upon the Egyptians pestilence upon their livestock, disease upon them. In Exodus chapter 9, in Exodus chapter 9, if you are familiar with your Bible, you know what is taking place in Exodus chapter 9, and what is taking place is this, and that is God is convincing Pharaoh to let his children go. God has sent that plague down there upon them, the plague of bulls. That was one of the plagues in which God had sent down unto the Egyptians and in the land of Egypt that day. 
What was his purpose? He wanted to redeem his people. There were people down there that he cared about, that he loved, that were bound. There was a people down there that was enslaved, and he wanted them free. Just could it possibly be that God has sent this virus down unto the world that men might wake up so that he might redeem them? Do you think God's still in the redeeming business? Think God is still in the saving business? He's, he is, amen. He is. You know what I'm afraid of, though? I'm afraid that when these people, and I've already heard of one case, one instance of it, these people are stricken with the terror of the Lord, and they want an answer about God, my fear is that there will not be a church open to tell them. I heard of a, an atheist that is scared out of his mind right now. And uh, he, he, heard that, he heard something that when the end times come, there, he's going to hear trumpets. And, uh, he's, he, and he says, Trump, Pence. Somehow he put that together, trumpets. And he's, he's scared. He wants answers. You know what he said? There's not a church open for me to go to. Oh, we have it on live stream. Man, I'm glad we have it on live stream. I'm, church, I'm glad churches are doing live stream. Let me ask you this, Brother Allen. You go to a lot of WVU Mountaineer uh, games. Is it the same when you're sitting in the stands as it is when you're watching on TV? Different experience altogether. Different experience altogether, church. So I'm glad that we have the live stream. I'm glad that... But you have to put yourself in the mind of someone that knows nothing. What do they type in? www.what? And who's going to tell them? Because I can tell you on the internet, you can find anything you want. And most of it is garbage. So how are they going to know? <clears throat> Could it be that God wants to use this to redeem men? I don't know. But he certainly did in Exodus chapter 9. And then, uh, this is good. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 5. 1 Samuel 5. I'm going to be a little longer today, but I trust you came to get in, not get out. 1 Samuel chapter 5, we see that God had sent a plague down upon the Philistines. Verse number 1, it says, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. This was a false god statue that they had there. And when they of Ashdod arose early in the, in the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. 
And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was falling upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both of the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that uh, come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod until this day. Now, but the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them in Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the, of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, nor his hand is sore upon us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the, of the uh, God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto to uh, Gath, and they carried the ark of God of Israel about thither. And it was so that after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had emrods in their secret parts. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and it came to pass that the ark of God uh, came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought about the ark of God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and uh, let, go, let it go again to his own place, that it slay us not and our people. For there is a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men that died were not smitten with the uh, emrods, and, and the, uh, the men that died not were smitten with the emrods, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And uh, the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If you send away the ark of Israel, send it not empty, and so on and so forth. So what happened was, they had the ark of God, which represented God's presence, that was where God would light, right? In the temple, in the tabernacle. They had the ark of God. The, the uh, children of Israel had lost it. In, in, uh, and uh, the um, uh, Philistines had gathered that ark. It was a trophy unto them. That trophy became a curse. So why did God smite them? Why did God bring uh, emrods upon them? Why did God bring death upon them? It's very simple. And that is because God was not in His proper place. God wasn't supposed to be. The ark of God wasn't supposed to be in Ekron. Wasn't supposed to be in Gath. Wasn't supposed to be in uh, wherever. The ark of God was supposed to be in the temple in the house of God. And so I just wonder this. In our society today, is God in His proper place? Is God in His proper place? Let me tell you where God's place is. God's place is number one, amen? God's place is above all. It is first. That's where it should be. But God's place in our society is certainly not first. God's place in our society is not even second. The Kardashians rank above the God of heaven in our society. That's sad. Amen? But it's true. 
But how can you expect the society to hold God in high esteem when even in the church house you have Christians that do not put God first in their life? So many other things come before God in in even the life of the Christian. You have this, that, and the other, and I could name them, but I'm not going to. You have all sorts of things where people will put before God. God is not in His proper place. It's not in His proper place in our society. It's not in His proper place in most Christians, in their lives, and in their homes. And we wonder, did God bring this, this, uh, this pestilence down upon the earth because He's not in His proper place? I don't know. And then uh, two more real quick, and that is Numbers chapter 12. God made uh, Miriam a leper. He made uh, Miriam a leper for her correction. Uh, She was wrong. She began criticizing the man of God, Moses, and uh, God did not take kindly to that and smote her leper. Let me just say this. If you're going to criticize the man of God, you better make sure he's on the wrong side of God, not you. Lest the she-bear come get you. Amen. All right. God made Miriam a leper for her correction, to correct her. Uh, in her ungodliness and what she did. And then lastly here, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, we don't have to turn there. Let me just tell you this story for sake of time. Genesis chapter 12, we have, in the beginning of chapter 12, you had God calling Abram. He says, get thee up, I'll make thee a great nation. He gets up, takes him to the land. He continues journeying uh, further south. There's a famine that comes in the land. And then Abram is uh, going down to Egypt and he gets there. I think we all probably know what he does. He gets there and he tells his wife, he says, look, you're very fair to look upon. I'm 75 years old. Uh, When we get there, tell him you're my sister. So he told her to tell a half-truth. So he does. They do. Pharaoh takes uh, Sarai into his home. Abram doesn't have anything to worry about. Abram gains in stature. He gains in possessions. But let me tell you what. Abram was not a whole man. Abram was not whole. I can tell you this. I can have all the money in the world. I can have all the things in the world. But if you take my wife from me, I'm not going to be whole. And there's nothing that's going to make me whole but her. So here it was. Abram was there. In Egypt, Sarai was taken from him, Pharaoh's house. And what does God do? God brings a plague upon Pharaoh's house. Verse number 17, I believe it is. Let me read it for you. Uh, It says, And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. This one is very interesting because there's really two reasons, I believe, why God brought this plague upon Pharaoh. Number one... It was for Abram's chastisement. He was wrong in what he did. He was trusting his plan instead of God's providence when he went to Egypt. He was trusting in his own devices what he thought, what he figured would be best instead of what God could do for him. And so he plagued Pharaoh's house partly to correct him. And what a horrible thing. If you continue reading on in Genesis chapter 12, it says this, And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to meet a wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And here it was, Abram, the man of God, chosen man of God, is getting chastised by a heathen. That's shameful. Amen. 
That's shameful. And uh, what could he say? He was, he was right. Abram was wrong, and he was right. So God brought that plague upon it and allowed Pharaoh just to give him what for. And then we see next, he brought that plague to make Abram whole. As I said, listen, without Sarai, he was not a whole man. He was not made whole. He was incomplete. He lived, he breathed, he had his fortune, he had money, he had, he had all these things, but he wasn't whole. And the only thing that was going to make him whole was his wife. Let me tell you what, there is a, there is a lot of uh, halfway Christians today. There's a lot of Christians today that they're not whole, they're not complete. They're straddling the fence. They're lukewarm. They're not hot or cold. Could it be that God has brought this plague for our chastisement that we might become whole in Him? That we might become more than what we're... That, that we'll stop straddling the fence, stop being lukewarm half in and half out, and we'll just sell out unto God and be made whole. Could that be the case? I mean, I, I don't know. And all I've tried to do tonight in, in this message, I've tried to give you Scripture of where God brought these things, but He brought them all for a purpose. There was a purpose. There's a plan. Listen, God doesn't haphazardly do anything. God knows exactly what He's doing. And so if he's able to stop it, if he's able to bring it, you have to understand that it's got to have a purpose. It has to. So what do we do? How do we handle this? Well, we have to figure out what can we learn from it. What can I learn from How can I grow from what is going on here? What should I do as a Christian? I trust you're all Christians if you are say amen. And so... Uh, we as Christians, if we know God is able to bring it, we know God is able to take it away, we know God is able to keep us from it, I mean, we, we know He's able to do this, we know that He would not do it in, un, in an unrighteous manner, uh, in an unjust manner. He is holy. We know that, that, that it has to have a purpose. Every time we look throughout the Word of God, God never brought a plague without a purpose. Not one time. Not one time. So, uh, lastly here, has God foretold this? Is this something that God has spoken of? What's happening in our country today? What's happening throughout the world today? Is this something that God uh, has spoken of that we should expect? Uh, the answer is simply yes. Go ahead and turn with me to Matthew. And we'll be done. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, the uh, disciples asked him, well, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like in the end days? What's that going to be like, Jesus? And if you notice in Matthew chapter 4, when they asked her, uh, chapter 24, when they asked him that, he didn't hesitate. He didn't beat around a bush. They asked him, and he told them. Verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to a privilege, saying, 
tell us uh, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming at the end of the world and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many shall hear of wars and rumors of wars see that ye be not troubled amen we could take heed in that today see that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And so, uh, did, did God send this, uh, did God send coronavirus? Did God send COVID-19? However you want to term it. Did, did he send it? I told you, I, I didn't say I was going to give you an answer. We were going to explore it today. Did he send it? Maybe. He might have. I know that he can prevent it, so therefore certainly he could have caused it. But like I said, the, the question for us today is how do we respond and what can we learn? How do we respond to it? How should we respond in, in, in the face of something uh, that is thrust upon us like this. How we respond really speaks to um, our priorities in life. How we respond really kind of speaks to the way we view things. Whether we're viewing them from a spiritual perspective or a carnal perspective or, or something else. So we need to really look at Scripture, because like I said, Scripture has our answer. Everybody, else, everybody has opinions, but Scripture has the answer. We need to see if we're responding as Christ would have us to respond to it. Are we responding how Christ would have us to respond? And uh, number two, what is it we can learn? Because I can assure you, I can assure you this, as sure as I'm standing here, God has so much in this for us to learn. We are literally like in a in a uh, a time period where we can gain so much knowledge, so much knowledge of God, who He is, and, and and all of those things, and what we should do, and how we should order our life, and how we should look at things. Um, we can gain so much with this experience that we're all going through right here. We can, or it can pass us by. And we can be just as ignorant about the things of God at the end of it as we were at the beginning. I will guarantee you that um, God has something for us and desires something for us through this, each and every one of us. So, did he, did he cause it? I don't know. Maybe. How's that? He might have. He might have. Well, if, if I had to hazard a guess, if you want McGrawology here, I would say it's absolutely ordained of God. That's, that's my opinion. But I can't prove that. I can just show you what, what happened throughout the Word of God and uh, take your assumptions where they are. 